This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Your Xfinity home security system can't walk the dog, but it can tell you what he does while you're not around. And it can't stop your kids from sneaking out either. But it can let you choose what real-time security alerts you receive. So you're always in control. No matter what you're doing around the house, Xfinity Home can help with a new way to customize your home security. And it was named the best professionally installed home security system by CNET. Click, call 1-800-XFINITY or demo in your local Xfinity store today. Xfinity Home. Simple. Easy. Awesome. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of February 25th. I'm your host, William Lou, joined on the line by uh, Joe Wolfond. What's going on, man? It's, it's, it's upsetting that I can't plug... Actually, you know, I can still plug Pound the Rock. Listen to Pound the Rock. You know, I, I'm not on there anymore, but, you know, you just yeah, guys... You... Uh, is, that, uh, is that out in the open? Or are we... No, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not, I'm just okay. confusingly back on Raptors Public for like two weeks. It's been nice, actually. <laughs> I've, I've really missed writing on the site. Uh, yeah, I bet. I mean, well, we, we have missed you on Pound the Rock. We've only done one episode since you, uh, yeah. since you bowed out, but, I mean, uh, you replaced me with David Griffin, former Cavaliers GM, <laughs> which you could hear on the, um, actually, where is it on? Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify? Yeah, Spotify now. Yeah. yeah, Spotify. Yeah. Wow. That's a big move. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, listen to Pound the yeah. Rock. We're, we're here to talk Raptors though. We're here to talk Raptors, who uh, had. I mean, they were they were doing pretty well. They got a lot of a couple of new players, and then they had this like dispiriting loss of the Magic, where you know it's sort of one of those days, but also it was kind of frustrating just because of the circumstances around it. Um, now that we're past the trade deadline, now that we're um, heading down, I don't know. It's not really a playoff race, but uh, for the Raptors at least, like it's you know guaranteed that they're going to be home court in the least in the first round, but. Um, it's a good place to take stock of other franchises right now. Um, so where do you want to start? Which player do you want to start with? Um, I mean, we should probably start with Kawhi, right? Kahoo? I haven't seen him on the court in a while now. 
Um, uh. I just look. I'm not. I'm not gonna harp on on the load management thing and like whether whether it's just precautionary or whether there's like an actual injury that they're not disclosing. Mm. Um, I just don't know. So there's not really a point of speculating about it. I don't think. But just judging by what I can see and like what I have seen uh, over the last few weeks, like he, he has not entirely looked right to me. And, and the whole thing has just looked a little bit weird. Like even in the games they were winning, they had that seven game winning streak, which was like among the most uninspiring seven game winning streaks that I could imagine. Yeah. Like two points over Brooklyn. That was a fun game, but I mean, still only two points, five points against New York. That was a bad game. The Raptors didn't play mm-hmm. well in that one. Spurs, they, I mean, they, they were a little bit lucky to beat the Spurs there. Even Washington was a little dicey. Yeah, like they haven't really had a convincing win in that stretch. I mean, they they dusted the Clippers, I guess. Um, and, well, and, and, and the 76ers. They had and, the and they had that win over the Sixers, that's right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, they had a couple good wins there. But I just, I, I continue to feel like they don't really ever put together complete performances. Uh, the defense remains kind of disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. And there's just like a vibe about the team that it's not like, I don't get a, a feeling of, of cohesion of like joyfulness from the way that they play. Like it's a little ragged. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of times, you know, they kind of get by on talent, but yeah, they talent um, with a lot of wins. But I feel like Rare is the game where it just feels like everything is clicking. Um, and, and the games that I've felt that way are, are usually the games where Kawhi is not playing. Mm. Um, and, and there's like just like a little bit more zip. And everybody, I feel like, plays a little bit looser. And like I don't want to put that on Kawhi, but it, it seems like there's definitely an attitudinal shift, I feel like, that goes on when he is not out there. And... I just don't. I don't know how to reconcile that um, with the fact that he is obviously the team's best player, and like they very much need him to go where they're trying to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just worries me that sixty plus games into the season, they still haven't figured out how how to do that uh, while he is on the floor. Well, I mean, how much of his game is um, like how much of his game is permissible in terms of in a team concept, right? Because we saw. In San Antonio, like, you know, he was like a 3 and D guy for a while and a really good one. But he was like basically, you know, Trevor Reza with big hands. And then, um, you know, he had this breakout in about 2015, 2016 where he started taking on more individual offense. And it became clear that, holy crap, this guy's really efficient and he can really create buckets. But he sort of, his development into a superstar has really been that he has embraced this sort of um, isolation style game. And like even the Spurs, I mean, the Spurs are known for ball movement, passing the ball around, you know, uh, cut, cutting, shooting, everything like that, and movement. And um, even in 2016 and 17 when Kawhi, I think he finished third in MVP voting, um, arguably had a better case than Westbrook, who actually won the, the thing, but whatever. Um, and they were very successful, like 60-plus wins. Um, but Kawhi was mostly playing isolation during that season, and it's sort of the same style he's played now. So how much of it is just about Kawhi's game um, struggling to fit within the confines of like uh, you know a, a team system. I, I think that is part of it, um, but I think it's also just like the way that the players around him react to his being there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like it's kind of chicken and egg. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they 
they defer to him and I think sometimes are overly deferential to him. Uh, and, and, you know, he responds by sort of taking on the load that they seem to expect him to take on when he's on the floor. Um, so it's kind of a two-way street in that regard. I mean, the, the player that I notice uh, it about most is Lowry. Yeah, like, definitely. He, he, he just looks like a completely different player. Uh, when when he's playing without Kawhi, like he's pushing the tempo, he's aggressive, he's looking for his shot, like he's driving to the rim. Um, and so often when he's out there with Kawhi, it's like I, he's still making things happen. But offensively, there's so many times when he'll just kind of drift and he'll be standing out like five feet beyond the arc, mm-hmm. um, kind of watching things happen. Um, and, you know, every so often he'll kind of like cut through the paint and like um, – like go set an off ball screen, but it's like so often it's, it's just like superfluous anyway. Like it's just like not even really a decoy. Um, he's just kind of there to watch. And I don't know, man, I think I don't want to read too much of it into it. And I don't want to like psychoanalyze him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just can't help getting the sense that there is like some kind of psychological block there when, uh, when they're out there together, he just doesn't he doesn't play with the same kind of freedom. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, and and as for Kawhi himself, I just like he's obviously been great for large portions of the season. He's carried them to some wins. Uh, he's been really, really good offensively for the most part. Uh, I don't think he's been particularly good defensively, honestly. Like, like by his own standards, at least. By his own standards, he, he's definitely good defensively. Um, but he's just not he taking as much up. initiative. Yeah, like he can turn it up, and we've seen like there have definitely been some games, specifically against Philly. I feel like those are the games where it stood out the most. Right. Um, but there are games when it's just like not really there. Like the attentiveness isn't there. Uh, the aggressiveness isn't there. Like he will kind of get beat off the dribble. Like he'll get beat on back cuts. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've I've been like kind of not that impressed by his defense. Like a, like when when he's locked in, like it's so incredible to watch. Yeah, definitely. I just feel like those moments have been have been kind of few and far between. Um, and I think they've defended quite a bit better with him on the bench, though. I, I haven't actually looked at those stats recently, so. Um, um, yeah, I mean, one thing that to to point out of the defense, I think um, in that Spurs game, right? Like he was really tasked to guard uh, Demar. Like he, you know, obviously there's that final play where him and Larry swarmed Demar, which is, by the way, just so unfortunate for Demar Derozan. Like that is the <laughs> most unfortunate way to lose, right? Like all he had to do was yeah. bring the ball up and then wait to get fouled and hit some free throws, and the Spurs probably walk away with that win, and Demar could really you know, have an upper hand there and say you got redemption and stuff like that. But for him, who had a – and DeMar had a good game too. He was torching a lot of people. For him to bring the ball up and then lose the ball to his form, his best friend and then Kawhi Leonard, the guy who he got traded for, who takes the ball and it goes the other way for the game-winning dunk. Like, it is just – that's – that's. I mean, I've seen DeMar lose a lot of tough losses. That is a really, really tough loss for DeMar. Um but, I mean, yeah, in that game, right, like, you know, Kawhi was supposed to be guarding DeMar a lot. And, you know, the Spurs knew, obviously, don't go with Kawhi. So they were intentionally bringing ball screens. And it was kind of, you know, he, he whatever. Switching happens a lot in the modern NBA nowadays. But, like, Kawhi really didn't make too much of an effort to stay on. You know, DeMar wasn't like he was resisting the screen and making it a little bit harder, like staying attached. And, you know, he just wasn't making as big of an effort. And I, I think the point about Philly is true, like, when he got put on Simmons, like, okay, then that's when you actually see Kawhi on the other team's primary 
um, playmaker, and you can see how disruptive he can be when he's on that role. But a lot of the times, the Raptors have just gone with Danny Green on the opponent's best player, um, and it's just strange, right? It's sort of like there's like you know the the it's load- like more load management exactly. There's load management within the game. And there's load management, you know, coming into the game before that too. So I agree. It's it's sort of been an odd uh, season for Kawhi. I think. You know, in terms of his playmaking and things like that, like I think that's one of the things where it's hard for him to establish chemistry with other guys because most of what he does really well is um, finish. Like he's a really good, like you know, you can he can run some pick and rolls and he can throw a couple of assists, but really that's not his strength. His strength is getting his own shot and scoring, and he's really good at doing that. Um, but it, I think that's where it's a little bit tougher for his teammates to play off of him because I, I don't really think that there is too much. Um, that he can consistently run where it's Kawhi with Lowry or Kawhi with Danny or Kawhi with Ibaka or even Kawhi with Pascal. I think that one is probably the best connection. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, I don't think, my thing is, I just don't think his game individually is that conducive within a team concept. You know what I mean? Like he likes to touch and feel the ball and he's mostly a finisher. And that's okay. It's It, it really is okay. I'm just, it's just, I think that explains it. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost less concerned about that than just kind of what I was saying before, where it, it seems like, um, and, and maybe this is just to be expected given the way that Kawhi plays and given the kind of sacrifices that are necessary when you're playing alongside him. But, um, you know, Kawhi's usage rate is not that much different from what DeRozan's has been the last few years. Mm-hmm. and But for whatever reason, um, you know, Lowry could coexist with DeRozan and still be aggressive, still push the tempo, like, uh, and it just for like, I don't know why, but it hasn't, it hasn't gelled the same way with Kawhi. I mean, I guess I could surmise why, like you, there's a difference, I suppose, between playing with somebody that you trust and that you've played with for years and years and that you have an off court relationship with compared to playing with somebody who, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't have a good sense of what, of what Lowry and Kawhi's relationship is like, but it seems strictly professional to me and um well i mean there was I, that time where we said you stupid the same burberry <laughs> that, come on that One was time that was a good One friendship time. moment i can't believe we had a post-game Kawhi because um, you know that, that used to happen all the time with demar and kyle just you know climbing right. each other in the post games i can't believe that happened with Kawhi. that was that was pretty great <laughs> i just this is kind of another sort of feeling I have about the team and it has nothing. Well, maybe it does have something to do with it, but um, I can't, I can't make that kind of judgment. I'll just say like, ostensibly it doesn't really have anything to do with, with how they play on, on the court, but like it's, it's different, right? Like when, when your best player is somebody who um, is sort of defiantly unemotional Mm -hmm. and, I like I don't want this to come off as a value judgment. Like I don't I don't know what Kawhi is like in his personal life. You know, he might be a perfectly nice, funny guy. Um, but like his outward facing persona is pretty charmless. Mm-hmm. And you know, he doesn't like ever get particularly excited about stuff. Like you don't really see him like joking around with teammates or bigging them up. Like he kind of keeps to himself. And I I just get the sense of that like I don't want to say it casts a shadow over the team, but it changes the dynamic a bit, no? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think, 
the the public facing aspect of the team is not probably the same as the in, it like you know the it, what it is within right if i think Kawhi is more vocal around his teammates um than what he is vocal towards the media and so you know i think it, it's sort of a, a comparison thing we're sort of seeing the difference between what it was with demar who was very public facing and also you know with his teammates as well just a pretty open guy overall Whereas Kawhi sort of seems to be pretty open with his teammates, but, you know, doesn't have too much interest in, you know, talking to the media and everything like that. And I don't know if we could just conflate the two of them. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I'm not like, and again, I didn't want to conflate the two of them. I guess I'm just maybe talking about this from like a fan perspective and the feeling okay. that I have about this yeah. season. And it's like, I don't know, like, do you think that Kawhi Leonard is a fun player to root for? Yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense that he's like, obviously a very fantastic player and yes. you know he's come up huge for the Raptors and it really does it's actually really nice to watch a player who where you're like I'm confident he could do almost anything we need him to do you know right. what I mean like there is nothing that it's like oh crap this matchup is so outrageous that you can't expect Kawhi to do anything about it like there are a lot of times where DeMar got overpowered you know whatever that it's like the opponent was too great right whereas now you're like you got Kawhi and you're like yeah if he plays to his if he plays to his full energy and potential, like we have the best player on the floor, so that that's a great feeling. Um, and I think he's actually created a couple of moments where it's been fun. But I think the part that's just not fun about rooting for him is sort of like uh, it really just stems to the the free agency thing. Like it, it really mm-hmm. is just like uh, anytime he does anything, and it's sort of like oh he stay he stay he stay, and it's like yeah you know I, I don't care I, I really don't care right now. Like I I do care, but like I don't care right now, and it's not something I want to always think about. You know what I mean? Like. Like let's say oh, yeah. you're, I don't want to think about it every time it's like particularly cold outside, bro. I'm, I'm telling you, man. Okay, what, okay, so I came back from vacation in in, in Colombia. I was in Cartagena where it was like 33 degrees, and uh, I came home. And the morning after, I went to get my mail, and I stepped out, and there was like a patch of black ice, and I slipped, and like I fell <sighs> right on my ass. And the first, the only, the first thing I thought about was, I hope this never have happened to Kawhi Leonard ever. This year, I hope I hope Bobby Webster is salting his his <laughs> pavement every morning. Yeah, dude, um, seriously. No, but seriously, um, it's like the 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 nagging worry. But I mean, like, that's not on him necessarily. You know what I mean? That's just the circumstance, and it's and it's sort of something where you you can step back and say it's okay. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 to ignore that is kind of dishonest. Like, yeah, the fact that he even the load management thing that doesn't really bother me as much. I kind of just accept that he has like. A pitch, like a pitch uh, limit type of, uh, you know, management. And it's just it was strange to see in basketball. But if you do believe that he has that injury, which I really do believe that he has that injury, the quad one, then, you know, that's apparently part of it. It really have to manage the load. It's, it's hilarious. It's just, yeah. <clears throat> I can't get too upset about that. Like, especially just considering, you know, what the goal is and, and the fact that presumably this is just going to help him be in the best possible shape going into the playoffs. So to me, it's not a bad thing. Um, and, and they're 13 and four when he doesn't play. So again, yeah, uh, it's hard to be too upset about that. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it was interesting. Like that, that game against the Spurs was so emotionally complicated. Mm-hmm. And I, I really thought it was interesting how that crowd reacted um, to both Kawhi and Demar, and I actually thought they were like very perceptive. Like they right. they the, gave Demar the, that like huge ovation, right. um, but like they also gave Kawhi a huge ovation, you know, and, and made it clear that like their their love for Demar did not preclude them 
you know, appreciating Kawhi in the same kind of way. It's just, you know, they, that whole night was like about sentimentality and emotion and like the whole sort of bargain that the Raptors made or the choice that they made was like, they chose winning over sentiment. Um, and, and the fans at the end of the game, like chose the same thing. Like it was nice to, to like root for DeMar and like to cheer every time he touched the ball early in the game. But like at the end of the game, when Lowry was getting those stops on him and like when Kawhi ripped the ball away and went in for a dunk, it was like pandemonium. It was actually and, you know, really at the end of the day. Like the, it was really funny when the crowd at the end was like, oh, crap, we should cheer. We should chant MVP for Kawhi. But I'm like, <laughs> realistically, Kawhi played worse than DeMar in that game. Oh, absolutely he did. Like, yeah, Kawhi was looking real sh- – like, he looked terrible in the first half. He was just really good down the stretch, though. Like, he, he took over the offense, and he was great. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and it's just – That turnaround? At the end of the day, that's – yeah, that turnaround he had, like, you know, and, and again, like, at the end of the game, like, he was eliciting huge applause, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone was I – was, I was thinking to myself, like, when DeMar had the ball and they were down one, mm-hmm. um, and it was you, you could kind of see that fairy tale moment potentially unfolding the way it did for Dwayne Casey. Um, I was wondering sort of what kind of reaction that would get. And I was thinking it would probably be on par with, with what happened with Jeremy Lin. Oh, like you seven think years so? Ago. Oh man. Wait, you think less? Yeah, definitely. The Raptors. Okay. Okay. Come on. In 2012, people like people like the Raptors, the but it was sort of like, yo, I don't want to cheer for any team that employs Linus Clayza, but like, <laughs> <laughs> Now it's different, man. We actually legitimately like the Raptors for the Raptors. <laughs> so you don't think he would have gotten like applause no. the same kind of way? No, I think it would have been like groans immediately, and then maybe a little bit afterwards, like he because he's walking off the floor, and maybe he gets a little smattering of applause afterwards. But no, nah. I, I think, think he would have got a, he would have got a standing O as he walked off the floor. Really, for I beating so. the Raptors, that would look so bad. That would look so bad. <laughs> I'm I'm so happy Kyle was there to thwart Demar at every yo Kyle defending Demar was actually just so much fun to watch. Also, Demar's quote about it afterwards was just perfection. Oh yeah, definitely. Um. Anyway, yeah. So I just thought that was it. it made for like a, an interesting inflection point, like mm-hmm. a chance to to like assess, right? Because of course, like for the longest time, like the Raptors didn't like they maybe were like fringe fringe contenders, but what they really were were just like a good story. And a team that made you feel good because there was like a lot of um, a lot of trust between them and a lot of continuity and like friendships that we'd actually just seen grow from like the ground up. Yeah, um, they were selling obviously... a sitcom a little. They were honestly selling a sitcom <laughs> more than they were selling the basketball. The basketball was good, but right, the sitcom was definitely part of it. And this is the thing: Kawhi just refuses to be in that sitcom. You know, what I mean? right? <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, and and at the end of the day, I think the most important thing is winning, right? And that that was what you got a sense of down mm-hmm. the stretch of that game, where it's yeah. like, yeah, okay, Demar, we love you, but like, we need to win this game. Yeah. And and Kawhi was the guy who helped them win it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe this, uh, doesn't really matter. I, I'm an emotional person and I watch the game in an emotional way. So I can't say that it doesn't affect me at all. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would like for Kawhi to be like more interested in, in, um, just like, and, and I don't want to, it doesn't even matter like whether he plays ball with the media, like, cause Lowry doesn't really do that and it doesn't bother me. Um, but yeah, it's more just like what, like his body language and what I see from him, like when he's on the floor, it's just very one note. Um, and I don't know, like, I, I think that he cares 
uh, about the team to an extent. I think he he's focused on this season and he would love to win a championship here. But um, I don't know. I think there's I think it's fair to question like the level of investment that he has um, compared to say like how you would feel about Kyle. Well, I mean, I think I both I think both Kawhi and Kyle have had their commitments to the team question. I think Kyle is really it was really just that back injury, you know? And the, and that random report that he was he was he was ducking Masai's calls in the offseason, which you know. Right. How, how mean, eager are you to return your boss's call when you're <laughs> on vacation? I don't know. And he just traded your best friend. And he just traded your best friend, exactly. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like ultimately, these are very first class <clears throat> problems. Well, I think sure. first world problems. Like we should really, really stress that because Kawhi has been phenomenal. But um, I think these are valid points, and I think I think the the more concerning thing really is just like the fact that he's not shooting particularly well recently. Like if you yeah. go back over his last uh, six games, he's shooting thirty seven percent from the field and twenty five percent from deep. Which is just strange, and I think um, that Spurs game especially, he was really, really off. And even that Knicks game, like he, it was odd. I think it does take him a, a bit of time to recover. Um, and when he when he takes like when he rests, there's some player when they're like they rest and then they come back and they're like really fresh and they play really well. And there are some players who rest and then they're like they're like just rusty. And I think Kawhi is definitely the other kind where you know he's rusty after these rest games. And so we'll see what happens against Boston, but. Um, Let's uh let's move off Kawhi a little bit and talk about uh the, t- the two new guys, Gasol and Lin. What are, what have you thought of the two of them so far? Because to me, I feel like it's hard to judge them right now because I don't think they know what they're doing. I think that's definitely fair. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm willing to play a wait and see with that. Um, I mean, you know, we've talked about it. Uh, on the record, I, I was not as fond of the Gasol trade as mm-hmm. you were. Yeah. Um. And I, you know, I kind of saw it more as a, a lateral move than as an upgrade. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to give him time to sort of figure out the offense uh, and, and just like get a little bit more familiar uh, with his teammates. But like, just physically, I, I can't say that I've been super impressed with how he's moving around the court right now. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, he, I he's mean, look, very, he's, very slow. Yeah, he, he looks like a big teddy bear. It's. It's kind of adorable. I mean, he's. I, I think, yeah, it's pretty clear. He's strictly like a half-court player. And I think defensively, he's actually had some moments where it's sort of been really shaky in terms of how he's rotated. I think the Vucevic game was against Orlando. That was the one where it was like, I mean, you didn't really want to start a Baca against Vucevic because I think Vuce had like a 30-20 game against the Baca in like the last yeah. meeting. But oh, yeah. also at the same time, like, Vuce was just getting wide open shots and uh, – that's See, this bit, is why, yeah, this is, I, I said this on, on Twitter and, like, got a, a bit of clap back, uh, notably from Sean Woodley, but, like, I I would have no interest in seeing the Magic in a playoff series because I, I don't know what they would do with Vucevic, and they haven't really shown any ability to deal with him, um, mm-hmm. whether whether it's been JV or Serge or Gasol. Has JV um, played him? I Yeah, he must have in, in one that, of those that, first that two first games, game? no? That first game where Danny Green hit a game winner? Yeah, possibly. Was yeah. he? I guess he wasn't healthy for that second game. That makes sense. Yeah, that's why they got. Um, that's why they got marked. Yeah, that, yeah. So, um, I think yeah, stretchy bigs uh, would worry me. I mean, Horford would give me a bit oh of concern. Well, Ibaka's to, to to be fair, Ibaka's really played Horford well. It's really the that's true. the stretchy bigs that can also go in the post a little bit because yeah. Ibaka was just really struggling physically to handle. 
Vucevic. Yeah, I mean, Vucevic had four, 14 points and 18 rebounds in the game where JB was player. So okay. it wasn't like, so, you know, it wasn't a great game, but also that's still pretty good. In yeah. any case, Vucevic might just be really good. <laughs> He's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think as long as... As long as Gasol's out there, if there's a kind of dynamic five like that, uh, the the Raptors are going to be vulnerable to, you know, a one-five pick and roll. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I do – like, you've seen all the IQ stuff uh, that was so highly touted about Gasol. He, he's put that on display, his passing, his, you know, defensive positioning, um, and just his ability to kind of go vertical and just overwhelm people with size mm-hmm. as long as, you know, he's close enough to the rim. But, like – Defending in space, uh, it's been a bit of an adventure. <laughs> and uh, there was one place stuck out to me um, in uh, in that game against the Magic when, like, Lowry was trying to save a ball from going out of bounds. He kind of dove oh, to save it. <laughs> and it sort of bounced, like, two feet from where Gasol was standing. And instead of taking literally, like, one step to corral that ball, he just sort of lunged lazily for it and, and watched it roll out of bounds. Um. So yeah, I don't know if he if he's shaking off some rust from having a week off um, or what, but but he's not moving particularly well right now, and uh, it's a bit of a concern. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, look, I think physically, like he's obviously not as. I mean, he's thirty four years old. I think that's sort of the the beginning and the end of it, right? Like he's just not in his peak physical form anymore, and. Um, I think though, like in a half court game, it is really going to help. I think the the main positive I see with Gasol, uh, obviously, is the playmaking and sort of not just playmaking, but like the versatility in which you can run your offense. Now you have a guy where it's another point, like it's like having another Lowry on the floor, except he's a big man, right? Where he, this guy can create for others, and really, when he has the ball, like there are other options you can do on offense. You know, mm-hmm. you can get a good shot out of that, and and. Uh, you compare that to JV, for example. JV was like strictly a finisher. Like, he's going to finish, but and he was really efficient at finishing plays. But like you know, JV can only be used in JV ways. Whereas Gasol sort of tries to help everyone else. And um, I think the one guy that that it didn't really dawn on me immediately, but it's watching him and uh, watching Gasol and Larry play together, I feel like just you know the biggest thing with Larry is also age, right? Like he just like he can't really create his own offense anymore, but. Like, if he can play more of those two-man sequences with Gasol and if Lowry can pop out and, you know, for three or if he could, uh, you know, cut to the rim and, and play the two-man game with Gasol, like, I feel like that could rejuvenate Lowry scoring individually. Yeah, um, and I think, actually, Lowry's looked physically quite a bit better the last yeah, couple of weeks. Definitely. Um, and, you know, he, him and Gasol had a really nice give-and-go the last game. Um, I feel like they're starting to develop a little bit of chemistry and it'll always be easier for guys like that who just think the game at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Like they'll figure things out quicker than yeah, he's definitely on the same wavelength as Kyle right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, to me it just comes down to like, look with Valanchunas, uh, he was a great finisher. And so what you need from Gasol then who's not as good of a finisher is to create looks that are going to be as efficient for other people. And right. I think that that is the challenge. You like, first of all, that, that requires being surrounded with the right players. Um, and I, I do think, you know, even though he did, he had a pretty bad game or at least a pretty bad start to that game against the magic, I do think that starting him is the right move. Okay. I, I just think his skills are, are more valuable when he like, especially like a guy like Siakam, like 
if if he's playing alongside Gasol, I feel like I don't know, man. I, I, to to a certain extent, I think Gasol's skills almost go to waste when he's playing with the bench units that just like can't really make use of his playmaking abilities. Yeah, um, I I would say like the one like, I, I guess to play devil's advocate, like if you start Gasol, I feel like he doesn't really fit with the pace of the of first unit. You know what I mean? Abak is pretty fast going up and down the floor. Um, and I think he would lose a bit of that. And I also feel like Ibaka these days is actually rebounding a lot better than Gasol is. And so I, I would actually need to see Gasol rebound a little bit better because we know Siakam can rebound, but better, you know, he's, he's better off leaking out and finishing in transition and stuff. So, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, th- I can see arguments, you know, for, for both sides. I, I think ultimately though, the Raptors should continue to play matchups. I know they, they need to establish chemistry, things like that, but like, yeah, it's a, they'll figure it out. Like if they both have ten games to to basically try to establish chemistry and they split the starts, like you know, th- that's enough time at least for me. Um, and I don't think you necessarily need to go with a set sort of approach, right? Like I think what worked really well earlier in the season was sort of, um, you know, JB would play against the big guys, just like Gasol should play against the big guys now, and then uh, you know Ibaka will play against the spacier guys, right? And uh, why does that have to change? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I guess, I don't know, it depends about, it, it depends on how you want to look at it, right? Like, you can look at it as a, an opportunity to maybe make your opponent adjust, um, if you think that that's a worthwhile trade-off, um, and, and I don't really know where I fall uh, along those lines, but it's like, if you think that you can leverage an advantage by playing Gasol at center, um, you know, against maybe like a smaller, but stretchy or big um do you want to try and press that advantage or do you want to just try and sort of match up um and and i don't really know what the answer is but i think i think you're probably right like you know surge has been good enough that i think you can continue playing him against um against those stretchier bigs but i mean it's not like Surge isn't like hyper mobile either. No, you know, like no. I mean, it varies with Surge. It really does. There are some yeah. games where you're like that Hawks game when he came out. I'm like, man, this is, it's apparent really early on if Surge is going to play defense or not. When he does play defense, yeah. is a huge difference. But um, yeah, like for example, tomorrow against the Celtics, like I would start Surge. Period. It's just, uh, against Horford, but you know, against other teams. I think the Gasol thing is really going to need to shake itself out. And also, I think, like, they need to continuously give the ball to Gasol and let him make decisions and let him get comfortable in terms of where everyone's going to go and how people are going to react. Um, you know, it's just – it's it's one thing to bring in a guy who's just going to, you know, be a finisher or, you know, I don't know, be a standstill catch-and-shoot guy. Like, Gasol is going to be very involved in the offense. So you really do need to ride it out right now and let everyone sort of – uh, get used to what he does. Um, so I, I think he's already getting a lot of elbow touches, stuff like that. I think that's good stuff. Um, what about Lynn? Um, I mean, he had a really bad game against Orlando. Yeah, I thought that was he was tough. Uh, he had a great stretch in that fourth quarter against the Spurs mm-hmm. um, and kind of kept the wraps in that game, I thought, uh, which just, you know, he made a couple plays, like hit a couple jumpers off the dribble uh had a really nice uh sort of pick and roll where he gnashed it like went under the rim um Serge got the seal uh, and and Lynn made a nice pass to find him under the basket um yeah I mean you know his skill set to me is valuable like I think it'll be really important um 
and for him again it's just i think a, a question of like getting comfortable um but you know I, I don't really have any concerns about him as a backup point guard i think it was a, a great addition and <clears throat> like he was the guy that they needed uh and i think you know ultimately he has a role to play and i don't know like yeah i don't, I don't really worry about him at all do you uh no not too much i would say that uh he is gonna be inconsistent though like he, he is sort of like streaky yeah um and so we, we are gonna see ups and downs i think overall in the, wow did bruno just hit a clutch yeah, three against I'm, I'm, I'm watching the game <laughs> i was Yo, just about to comment on that three that the, was huge. Le- the lakers about to lose to the grizzlies <laughs> Oh, um, by the way, can we just take a quick sidebar for for LeBron uh, lecturing his teammates on like what are you completely focused on basketball while LeBron has like eight different agencies going the on? Guy He's literally like, just announced that he was going to start filming <laughs> Space Jam too. This summer. Yo, Le- I, I I love LeBron, but like the, he's so shameless about some of this stuff. Like, yeah, how could you take him seriously sometimes? You know. I don't know, man. This has been a tough season for it. I mean, his legacy is like locked away in an yeah, armored safe. Like it's, for it's sure. secure, but this has not been a great season for his legacy. Oh um, man. But yeah, back to Lynn, I would say, I think the one thing uh, that I wouldn't say it's a worry, but like, I don't know if he is as viable. Like I know that he's not as viable in those two point guard lineups as Belon is mm-hmm. because just like guarding twos, I don't, I mean, it's a downgrade defensively. Oh, like, straight up. Like he's um, he's not that bad defensively. Like he's actually made a couple of plays, but it's clear he's definitely a downgrade from Delon. Defensively. Yeah. So, I mean, you're obviously going to see him like playing with Fred when Fred comes back mm-hmm. um, on some of those second units. And I just, I don't know. I guess I worry a bit about whether that's going to be viable uh, at the defensive end. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's played he, he's played some minutes alongside Lowry. I think they've actually looked pretty good together, but. Uh, you know, come playoff time, I don't, I don't know if you want to have Lynn like playing the two very often, and if and if he's mm-hmm. not, then where where are the minutes for him going to come from? Well, I mean, okay, how about how about we look at it team by team, right? Like, I mean, the first round we don't we don't worry too much about unless apparently Vucevic. I don't know, man. It's weird for the Raptors. Like, we got Kawhi, we got Gasol, we got Siakam breaking out. And all of a sudden, it's like, can we, can we get past Vucevic? I uh, mean, like, he, if you're if you're just going by, like, the season series, he's been, like, by far the best player in the yes. season series. <laughs> um, okay, let, but, yeah, in terms of the top, top uh, four teams, right? Like, against Milwaukee, I feel like you could probably stash Lynn... Um, I don't know on Brogdon. Like Brogdon's a pretty good driver, but like you could kind of yeah, get he's away a with very it. good driver. What about George Hill? You could stash him on George Hill. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so you you got okay, so you got George Hill, and then I, I guess Freddie could guard Bledsoe or I guess Brogdon. That's it's not ideal. It's it's not ideal. Okay, what about Man, like the Sixers? I just want just brief interlude. So there there have been like a few possessions uh, this year where where. Fred has guarded Brogdon, and Brogdon just looks huge. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, you're right. He, he, he just, like, as soon as he sees that matchup, he just takes Fred into the post. Um, so maybe not, but. Okay. Uh, to be fair, yeah, Brogdon has kind of bullied even Kyle. Yeah, he has, man. He's quite strong, and uh, he's really good at using his size to get to his spots. Yeah. I'm a fan. He's a good player. I, I, I like him, too. Really, like, no nonsense, though. Like, no flash to his game whatsoever, but just, like, straight-to-the-point scoring. He's, yeah. he's he's like Kawhi as a guard. 
Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. So Jeremy, I mean, against Boston, like I guess you have to put Jeremy on like a Marcus Smart. That's not great. Yeah, it's not great. It's not terrible. I don't. I don't think you worry too much about like you know Smart hurting you at the offensive end. Although he's randomly shooting like thirty eight percent from three this year, but yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, look. It's not like I don't think it's gonna be impossible I, I just think there are going to be times where he's out there playing the two and you're like uh true <laughs> you, you might have to have a quick hook you know it would be better if the raptors had a bigger point guard for him to play alongside of yes yeah. i yeah i totally agree with that um yeah i mean we knew this though about lynn right like he's really there for his offense i, I called him asian lou williams <laughs> except except I kind of regret that because then I looked at the stats and Jeremy hasn't hit a single three yet with the Raptors. It's It's been unfortunate. I think it's like 0 of 8. Yikes. But uh, yeah, he, he can occasionally hit a three. It is what it is. They're, uh, to be honest, a lot of that is unfamiliarity. Like they're not – they don't really know what they're doing offensively yet. Um, and he's right. had to create a lot of his own offense. The other thing we really want to touch quickly on, the other newcomer, Jody Meeks. Oof. Fresh off the PEDs, baby. He is um, he, might still be on him, judging by uh, his uh, performance in almost a year. <laughs> yo, just in that second quarter alone, that was Ooh. wild. Ten yeah. points in that second quarter, hit some threes. The crowd seemed to get really excited when he took some threes in the fourth quarter, and I was I was shocked at the reception that Jody Meeks was getting. But uh, yeah, I mean he, uh, he he. I mean I don't know. I don't mind keeping Jody. Why not? He's also yeah. a bit small, but he could definitely shoot. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that they want him to be part of their regular rotation. I don't think they should want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll definitely be a defensive liability, but if you just need some kind of microwave offense off the bench, uh, having another shooter is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Damn, this is, unfor- this is really upsetting, man. The Grizzlies are going to blow this. Oh, no. Yeah, the <laughs> Lakers have had a 5-0 run in the last couple of seconds here. They're only down two with a minute left. Jeez. Oh, Br- Br- By the way, who's guarding LeBron? Is Bruno on LeBron? Yeah, Bruno's guarding LeBron. <laughs> it's all happening, man. Yo. That's incredible. Chandler Parsons came back from the dead. He's 2 of 10. Dude, Jaron Jackson, is he out for the oh, year? God. Uh, I don't know. But somehow he, somehow he's injured and JV it still isn't closing games. He's like, so who's closing he, games? Joakim Noah? <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, yo, okay, by the way, Joakim Noah's actually had a nice comeback. Loki, Loki, he, he he would make it into court vision, but alas, <laughs> um, wow, Chandler Parsons though that that guy stole so much money. Yeah, good good on him, I suppose. <laughs> can't, I, I can't believe there were at one point two teams eager to sign him to the maximum contract, and it was Portland who got snubbed, just like in the Hito Turkoglu situation. Except just like the Hito Turkoglu situation, it was a bullet dodged. Yeah, Evan Turner was much better. And that's not saying a lot, but that is saying a lot in the case of Chandler Parsons. They got bailed out on that NS Cantor offer sheet too. Yeah, and then they uh, got like him for like the minimum. Set. Yeah, they've been bailed out of some bad offer sheets. Yeah, they really have, huh? Alan Crab. Well, they they bailed the Nets out of that one, although somehow they got the Nets to take it back, so Yeah. Um but yeah, man, I don't know. Just like to to sum up, like what do you where do you feel the team is at right now like do you feel confident about them heading down the stretch because i kind of don't 
Uh, I wouldn't say confident. It's really just like I know what the ceiling of the team can be, and it's sort of just like I've seen individual players have such great games, and it's sort of just they have this amount of time to put it all together. So it's really, I think, uh, this one is just on Nick Nurse. It's like how much do you trust Nick Nurse? Which I think is another conversation that we can have, but like, you know? It's not like I was expecting miracles, but also at the same time, I'm kind of looking at it, and I'm like, huh, this is less than the sum of its parts right now. And it's kind of weird to feel about the Raptors. The Raptors have always been more than the sum of their parts. Right. Um, And maybe that's because their parts weren't as talented as they are now. Not ever, really. But when you look at it now, you're like, eh, they could be better. They should be better. I'm willing to give them a couple games. uh, You know, like, I I want to see, like, 10 straight games where everyone is healthy. I don't think it's realistic. I mean... It's not realistic. Freddie's not in the lineup. But um, even 10 straight games where most of the players are healthy, Kawhi's not managing loads or whatever. Um, and I want to see what Nurse ultimately settles on. Because, like, it's a little bit late in the season to be experimenting, but he has kind of no choice, right? He has all these new pieces who are going to play prominent roles. So what can he do? So I'm reserving judgment a little bit, but I think ultimately it's going to come down to Nick Nurse because I think you probably agree on this too, right? The Raptors have enough talent to make it out and go to the finals. It's just, can they find a cohesive structure to uh, to maximize all the pieces? Yeah, and I just, it's it's getting late, you know? It's getting um, real late, yeah. So, I, I think that's why I'm starting to feel a little bit anxious because, you know, we're three quarters of the way through the regular season and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the pieces have coalesced at all. Um, you know, mm-hmm. except for in, in some stretches. But... Um, I don't know. It's just a feeling that I have, I guess. Um, and the fact that they, th- there hasn't been a whole lot of consistency in their performance mm-hmm. from game to game, from quarter to quarter. Uh, they're kind of all over the map. And I don't know. I guess I just don't entirely know what the team is. Uh, and maybe that's because they haven't had any luck on the health front. And they've had to run out all these different lineups and um, it, it just like hasn't been ideal, but I don't know. I, I still feel like even given all of those circumstances, I kind of hope they'd be a little bit further along than they are now. And like, I agree t- that that's acknowledging that they're 44 and 17 yeah. and Kawhi's missed like so, 18 games and like right. how's missed like a month plus, you yeah. know, and then they made these trades. Like it's a lot. It is a lot for a coach to handle. It really is. But I mm-hmm. ultimately think that like, you know, it's you got to deal with the situation in front of you, and Nick Nurse has a pretty tough hand to be, to be, to be managing. But he, I mean, I, it, it, I really don't want it to be like, how much do I trust Nick Nurse? <laughs> I really didn't want it to come down out of this, but yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Um, okay, let's take a quick break right here, and then when we come back, we'll take a couple Twitter questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Still here with Wolfon. We're taking Twitter questions. Going to race them a little bit here. Um, Okay, first one from Rexlington Ruthless. Um, If... Playoffs start tomorrow. Does the East have the best stories? Raps versus KC, Boston, Philly, Indy, Nets. What's the Indy Nets story? Indy Nets. <laughs> Two teams that definitely won't win. <laughs> I guess they'll play each other. It'll be awkward, but. 
I I love both of those teams. So I, I, yo, uh, yeah, speak about uh, Wes that, Matthews. That, that's that's the story, I guess. It's just two teams that I really like. Speak about Wes Matthews and his his what he's brought to the Pacers in Oladipo's absence. Oh, brother, he's not bad. He's okay. I think he just like he tries to do a little bit more than he's capable of I mean, a lot of the time. He's better than Tyreek Evans, though. Yeah, that's really sad. Tyreek I was so high on that signing, man. He was so good last year. Yeah, and he sucks now. He sucks. Yeah. Just don't get any Grizzlies. That's the advice, all right? <laughs> don't trade for a Grizzlies player. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I guess to answer the question, I would say I think I, in the first round I'd be way more excited about the Western Conference in the first round because I feel like they're going to be more competitive series. Mm. Um, I mean, to me, like the only series that's going to be competitive in the East first round is well. I don't know, man. The Magic have been pretty good lately. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> but like the four, like the the four or five will be exciting, and I think the rest will sort of be chalk. Uh, and I feel like the West, you know, apart from the one eight, is going to be like a anyone can win uh, free for all. So I think the the better stories in the first round will be in the West. I think in the second round it'll definitely be in the East, mm. just because those top four teams are also good. Yeah. Um... I would love to see Celtics Sixers in the first round and then Celtics Bucks in the second round. That'd be great. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm sorry to say. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Pacers have been doing well. Uh, you know, even though they lost to the Depot, I think they pulled out like an 8-1 eight, eight stretch, although they just lost to the Pistons. So that's not a very good sign. The Pistons are okay, though. I, I actually wouldn't mind playing the Pistons in the first round. Like, Blakers are like a real issue. And I think, oh my God, Blake had a 20-10-10 game today. That's that's impressive with five threes. Um, and now that they have Ellington, like that's another guy that hurts the Raptors. But I think ultimately the Raptors should be able to handle the Pistons, and it would just be fun, um, you know, to see the Raptors. You know, like look, you could take a bus to go to Detroit and watch the Raptors. Probably be cheaper than the home, than the games at the ACC. Definitely, actually, absolutely, cheaper. <laughs> definitely cheaper. Yeah, bus fare and all. Yeah, accommodations. I, I, yep. You could probably, yeah. instead of Airbnb, you could probably just buy a house. <laughs> It'd still be cheaper than a Raptors. <laughs> probably. Um, um, yeah. No, I think, I think the East has a lot of good stories. I'm also really eager to see how the Bucks do in the playoffs because I really don't have any real like, arguments against the Bucks. I don't really see a team adjusting to the Bucks in some kind of way that's going to miraculously solve things. Um, I, you know, so... I don't know. I'm I'm just hoping that the Bucks somehow wilt in the playoffs, but uh, somehow I doubt it. Um, I think that like they're a little bit vulnerable against Boston. And... They're definitely vulnerable against Boston, but I think that's probably the one team they want to avoid seeing Boston. Like even I without agree. Kyrie, they they the Celtics really still came real close to beating them. Well, yeah, not, not without Kyrie. Just... Kyrie shot like five of twenty or something like that. Yeah, he had a terrible game, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, even just. Look, Kyrie, like a an underrated ability of his is is to make that uh, that pass to the big man on the pop yeah. in the pick and pop. Like he gets it off on time, uh, like and um, it's always on target. And he he's really good at like using the behind the back on the pick and pop. Yeah, and he just like delivers that pass so accurately to Horford every time. And the Bucks just like do not adjust their scheme to account for that pick and pop. Like they drop back, they don't switch. Um, sometimes they'll, they'll adjust and like start coming up a bit higher mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll leave Lopez on the bench and someone like Ilya Sova, or I guess now Miritich can come up a little bit higher, but like they don't 
there's no rim protection when that happens. Yeah, like they, exactly. they basically have been so good at rim protection because that's all they're selling out to do. It's like they yeah. guard everything along the baseline, like no corner threes and then no rim. Everything else you can have, and so it's really teams that can thrive in that middle area. And the Celtics are one of them. The Raptors are arguably one of them as well. It's just you know we've only seen it for spurts. Yeah, and I also just think it's like if you're relying on Ibaka to hit mid-range jumpers, and that's how you're going to beat the Bucks. Like, I'm not so thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. As good as Serge has been at shooting mid-range jumpers this year, yeah, it's just like in a playoff series, I don't want to be relying on that to get offense. I agree. Uh, okay, next one from Derek. Do the Raptors give a shit about the regular season at all? Um, I think they should. Why? For seeding? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think they like care a, about it, but they're not like trying to go all out. You know what I mean? No, I mean I think. Look, it's early to say that they're locked into the second seed, but they are. I think they're two and a half games behind the Bucks, with having already lost a tiebreaker. Yeah. So it's going to be really tough to get the one seed. And they're four games ahead of the Pacers, five ahead of the Sixers, Mm -hmm. and six and a half games ahead of the Celtics. So, like, they're pretty close to being locked into the two seed at this point. Right. I think they probably just give a shit about the regular season to the extent that it's going to help them get prepared for the playoffs. And, you know, all the stuff we were talking about, about them not seeming particularly prepared for the playoffs right now is uh, a good reason for them to care about the last 21 games. Mm. Okay, that's a good way to put it. They care about the regular season in so much as how it prepares them for the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, that's why the games that they have, like, they they have a soft schedule down the stretch. Mm. Um, So the games that they are going to play against, you know, teams that actually matter, and I actually think, this game coming up against the Celtics is the last game that they're going to play against any of those other top four teams in the East. So, yeah. um, so that's kind of an important one just as far as, you know, yeah, it's, it's their last chance to show out against one of those teams and um, maybe figure something out. The Celtics have, I wouldn't say that they've had their number necessarily, but they've won the last two games and they yeah. have. Kyrie they has destroyed them. the Raptors. Yeah destroyed yeah. them this year so that is a concern right their best player has really gone off and Kawhi's had good games against the, the Celtics but you know they're just and it, Horford I, Horford's a matchup problem for them as as he is for almost any team yeah um, he is I, I really find Horford annoying I think it's still that TJ Ford stuff <laughs> yeah I'm not forgiving him for that man he snapped TJ Ford like a Lego figure that was that was, that was hard to watch I really liked TJ Ford at that time yeah, he was great. I mean, was he great? I don't know. He was fast. He, he was really fast. You're right. He's speedy Claxon. Um Okay, what else here? We already talked a couple of these things. So, uh, okay, what about this one from Bruno P. Jones? Which of our eight or nine players are go-to for the playoffs if they started today? So, I guess, what's our playoff rotation? Um... So I think the standard starting five. Yeah. Um, Plus whichever with... Gasol or Ibaka is out of the starting right. five. So right. That's so that's six. six. Fred. Yeah. Seven. Um, OG. Yeah. Although I can kind of see like if he if he's not playing well, like I could totally see him just getting DNP'd. Really? Uh, like I think they're. Well, okay, like, so who replaces him though? Because you don't have that many like 
power forwards, or are you just asking Kawhi to play power forward at that point? Yeah, I think you could do that. Okay, that's not a bad option. Yeah, I mean, I actually like I was sort of hoping that they would find a power forward to sign on the buyout market. Um, they still can. Fareed would have been nice, actually. <laughs> he's playing great for Houston. He's playing freaking amazing. Um, it's and it's he's wild. Just, he's just bringing energy, which I think if, if you really, really boil it down, the next couple of months are really going to come down to which players they still have energy. Like, basically yeah. since January, for the Raptors, it's sort of like, all right, if they have a sluggish game, which is like every other game, it's sort of like, what does Pascal have? And usually Pascal is so gung-ho, he's going to give you like 20 points, maybe up to 40 points apparently. And it's going to carry the Raptors. But a lot of times it's just which teams are just tired, especially veteran teams. They just get tired. And mm-hmm. getting a guy like Fareed really helped the uh, help Yeah, the but then it, it, that advantage sort of disappears in the playoffs when everyone's yeah. playing hard. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, so it, well, I, look, if you have OG, Norm, and Lynn in the playoff rotation, then you're at 10. So And that's not even accounting had... for McCaw, who is definitely this year's version of Baby. <laughs> or Jody Meeks. Or Jody Meeks. <laughs> Jody, baby. Take another fine, please. Um, Risk it all to help the Raptors in the playoffs. Yeah, or Chris Boucher, for that matter. Um, yeah, that's right. He's you need brutal. to have a knuckle belt, a knuckleball in your back pocket. Yeah, he shoots like our dicky pitches, so that's, that's, <laughs> that is true. That's good. Um, so, yeah, look, if, if those are your 10, then and, and you want to whittle it down to 9, which one of those guys do you think you're, you're taking out of the rotation? Uh, Norm, probably maybe? Norm. Yeah, probably Norm. It depends though. Like Norm will give you a little bit more defense, but less offense than Lynn, and Lynn will give you more offense. So I think it just depends on the matchup. Yeah, I mean he he's really like he had a great stretch, and he's regressed <laughs> in the last few games. <clears throat> he's not oh, looked very sharply good. regressed. <clears throat> I think he just felt that like, oh crap, we got Jeremy here, we got Casal here. Like no, I got to reestablish that I am bench the Rosen, and it, it just hasn't worked. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> for a while he was doing a really good job of picking his spots, I think, mm-hmm. attacking off the catch, not forcing anything. Yeah, had a and, good short game as well, like floaters and stuff, and now yeah, it's sort of just, He's kind of gone back to forcing stuff and just like <sighs> putting up these contested layups that don't have a prayer. Um, yeah, when he got stuffed I mean, by Vucevic, that was so ugly. Like, he yeah. had no chance. He had literally had no chance. So, yeah, maybe he's a guy that, that you don't see. I mean, I think all of these guys will play at some point, and not just in garbage time. You know, like, they will mm-hmm. all get burned. Uh, but I, I think you might just sort of see one or two of them cycle out and, and just not play uh, in certain matchups. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that, especially if they get another power forward. That'd be, that'd be really nice. Um, okay, let's take uh, let's take one more. From try a little kindness. That's that's really sweet. Um, what players filled the stat sheet yet still don't impact winning the NBA? Well, End um, with a general basketball. Player. Uh, Zach Levine. I don't know. Yep, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I feel like it's always the younger guys, <clears throat> but I feel like that's it. Also, cuts against them because a lot of these younger guys like don't quite know how to win, but it's not like they can't affect winning. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, DeMar was, like, in that camp for a long time, right? Like, I don't think he was affecting winning, but I was like, I know he can eventually affect winning, and then he did, and then he figured it out. Although, right now, the Spurs are, holy crap, they're bad, man. <laughs> they well, it's just, like, mix. it's like, so much about 
about codependency and and like I don't know it's just a contingent on the players that you have around you I think and I'm sure on the right team and the right system Zach Levine could be a positive contributor but yeah if Zach Levine came um, off the bench for the Raptors he'd be a positive contributor however yeah I think so he's the go-to guy in the Bulls and like the whole organization has no real mandate to win and so he's not going to win games um to be honest, for a long time, I thought JV was actually one of those guys. And I, it, it really swung for me in twenty last season, really. I was like, no, JV's definitely a positive contributor. Because, like, the numbers would always say JV was really good. But then I was like, I watched him closing games, and I was like, this it's just so hard to play around him. But then he got a lot better. And you know what I mean? That, that's another case where it's like young guys, I think, for a long time in their career. Like, it's hard for young guys to come in and make impacts to win. Um, and eventually they sort of figure it out. And if they, sometimes they don't. They usually kind of get weeded out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. I mean, there there will always be those guys who just, like, get that next contract because of the numbers they put up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at Tim Hardaway Jr., another pretty good example, I think. Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker. Devin Booker, actually, I feel like he doesn't expect <clears throat> winning. I like he's like definitely yeah. a good player, but he needs like a structure around him. Like if you put Kyle Lowry next to Devin Booker, maybe that's a good team. Yeah, but like he needs like a guy like Kyle Lowry who will come in and like Murray Kondo your offense. <laughs> that's, that's that's a good that's a good way to put it. That's Kyle's main. He's Murray Kondo with back. Yeah, um, Ben Simmons. <laughs> wow, <laughs> uh, I think Ben Simmons is really good. He is. He's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he shot another three today. Wow. Did he? Yeah. Oh, for one. No, of course not. But <laughs> good for him. Uh, Jimmy Butler. I don't know. Nah, nah, Jimmy's good. As yeah, Raptors I mean, fans, we can't talk shit about Jimmy. He's killed us so many times. He has. But I mean, that, that Sixers team, man. Like, you want to talk about a team that's less than the sum of its parts. Oh, yeah. I don't know. They barely yeah. they beat the Pelicans by one. The Pelicans. Yeah. No Embiid, but that's still. I, I think yeah, just like they don't. Have, they basically don't have Anthony Davis, so I think that's even. I think it's gonna be pretty tough for a team to just like totally remake its roster twice in one season. Uh, yeah, look but at even the, look so, at the like, yeah, and they they have not had nearly the kind of structural changes in season as the Sixers have had, so. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously going to be some uh, some kinks to work out, but like I, I've just not been particularly inspired by what that team has done this Ooh, year. I got and a You got a good one. I got a good one. Andre Drummond. Yeah, I, he, I've he thought that for. Me. I've thought that for a while. Um, actually, in the last couple of years, has been pretty good. He um, is a good player, but like he doesn't impact winning. I just think that like. Whether he has a good game or a bad game, it doesn't actually affect his team. And it's weird because he will put up big numbers, but right. it doesn't affect the team. Yeah, I just have always felt like he's not nearly as much of an impact defender as he should be, given his physical tools. Yeah, for sure. And JV is way better than him still. Oh, still. DeAndre Jordan <laughs> is another case of that, too. Yes, definitely. Um, Lou Williams? Eh, I don't know. He's gotten better, but like realistically, what does he do? He gets buckets. 
yeah, but you <laughs> at an extremely that, high know. rate, as Mike James would say. Mike James, there you go. That's, that's <laughs> a guy who doesn't affect winning. <laughs> he also didn't put up numbers except for that one season, though. So except for that one month. Yeah, that whole season was that, magical. That whole April, though, that was crazy. It just turned into Steph Curry for April. That was an incredible contract year. Yeah. All right, buddy. This is for the podcast. Um, follow Joe Wolfond at Joey W, spelled out. And uh, read all his work at the score. You know. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. It's good talking to you again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That listeners, once again, listen to Pound the Rock. You know, I, you know, it's uh, it's it's only gonna get better now that I'm not there. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash. Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at myhealthpolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face, and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Your Xfinity Home Security System can't walk the dog, but it can tell you what he does while you're not around. And it can't stop your kids from sneaking out either. But it can let you choose what real-time security alerts you receive. So you're always in control. No matter what you're doing around the house, Xfinity Home can help with a new way to customize your home security. And it was named the best professionally installed home security system by CNET. Click, call 1-800-XFINITY or demo in your local Xfinity store today. Xfinity Home. Simple. Easy. Awesome. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas.